Father, our Father, we thank you for your presence here with us today as we praise your name. Father, continue to open up our hearts to the mystery, the wonder, the awe and reverence of who you are made known to us as a gift in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Welcome, everybody. I'm so glad you're here. If you're visiting with us today, we're so excited to have you. I'm Pastor Simon, one of the pastors that get to serve here on staff at Hinsdale Covenant Church. We're so, again, thankful that you're here. The doors are open. There's a fresh breeze blowing in. I love that. And there's also newness in the air because we just started a really great series. We started it just last week. You're here early and you're in it. It is a series on the Lord's Prayer. And we're breaking down the Lord's Prayer. Now, if you were here last week, you probably saw me sitting, I think it was second row, but I was really on the edge of my seat. I really was. I was just soaking it in. It was so great because this is such a wonderful series, and it's important. It's foundational. And so I was really on the edge of my seat, just excited, and now I'm excited to begin uh, this section of it as well. Because the Lord's Prayer, as familiar as it is to us, it is a gift. Do you ever think about that? The Lord's Prayer is a gift that God gave us in Jesus in response to the disciples coming to him after they saw how Jesus prayed, and they were like, Jesus, oh, will you, will you teach us how to pray? Will you teach us how to pray? I got a, a, a daughter that's about to have a birthday, and she's been asking me for stuff, right? And you're like, okay, am I going to get you what you want? Am I going to get you what, what you need? And the disciples come to Jesus and they say humbly, Lord, will you, will you teach us how to pray? And Jesus responds by, yes, when you pray, pray this way. And he gives them the Lord's Prayer, which is a, a gift that continues to give and we receive it now. So I want to open our hearts with a reading from God's Word. Uh, this is from the Psalms, which is actually Jesus' own prayer book. When Jesus prayed, his heart was always in the Psalms. This is Jesus' own prayer book. It's Psalm 34. I'm going to read three verses out of it. Um, Would you mind please standing one more time for a reading from God's Word? Let this reading be a reflection of our hearts as we consider this section of the Lord's Prayer together. Psalm 34 says this, I will bless the name of the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. These are the words of the Lord. Praise be to God. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Let me pray one more time as, again, we consider these words and the application of the Lord's Prayer. Father, again, we thank you for the time here. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you that you brought us here together, new brothers and sisters sitting together. Holy Spirit, you come here to teach us. Lord, would you continue to do that work? Would you teach us how to pray? God, I recognize I feel so deficient in that sometimes. Maybe my friends do here too. So, Lord, would you teach us this morning? how to pray and make it real and make it exciting and make it big and wonderful as only you can do. So we ask in Jesus' name, continue your good work in us. Amen. Last week, we started this series and Pastor Lars taught us that first couple of phrases, the idea of our Father who art in heaven, our Father in heaven. 
And he shared that when we say our Father, what we're doing is remembering the character of God as a loving and kind Father. Isn't that beautiful? And, and when we say who art in heaven, we aren't referencing, referencing some faraway place. Jesus has brought the kingdom of heaven near. And so what we're doing is we're saying you art in heaven in the heavenly realm, which is right near us. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So when we say that, we're remembering that the kingdom is not some faraway place. It's the heavenly realm, which is near to all of us. Now, this morning, we want to focus on this phrase, these four words, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. And the idea here is that we're lifting up the name of the Lord with awe and reverence, just as we read a moment ago in that Psalm 34, 1 to 3. Now, this idea of hallowed, hallowed. It's really the first of three your statements that we're going to go through in the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you've never thought as many times as you said it, kind of the structure that's in the Lord's Prayer. But there's three your statements in this section. It's your name, Father, your kingdom, and your will. And so this is the first of three your statements as we think about his name. Now, let's confess, first of all, that hallowed or hallowed is not a word that we probably use much in casual conversation. Probably not one that I say on a daily basis unless I'm speaking the Lord's Prayer. What it means in kind of common definition is to treat something as holy, to recognize that something that is hallowed is holy, and we want to keep it as sacred or even to have glory applied to it or to glorify it. So we say, hallowed be your name. We're saying that. We're saying we're going to treat his name as holy. We're going to keep it as sacred, and and we're going to give it glory. Now, actually, the most common use, if there is a common use of the word hallowed, it's in our normal language, we might say somewhere special. Oh, those hallowed halls. You know, maybe some of you are starting to do college tours and you're dragging your kids back to your alma mater because that's where they got to go. <laughs> and you're walking those hallways and suddenly you feel like you're 17, 18 again. You're like, oh, these hallowed halls. I love them. Now, that applies to maybe any place that you might go where there's been a special time to you. Maybe it was a particularly formative time or even a place of special experience. Some people get that same place of kind of hallowed ground when they maybe travel to special places or like the Holy Lands. Maybe some of you have been there or special trips, but it can also be other places in your life, places that have had meaning or, or form, uh, places that where you formed, you really feel like you formed your character. They would say, oh, these are hallowed grounds. These are hallowed spaces. It means that you're saying there's good memory there, good experience there, but there's also lingering effect. See, typically we say, oh, these are hallowed grounds, these are hallowed halls. What you mean is like, oh, I had a special time here, and part of me still is here, but even though as I've gone, I've taken part of this experience, part of this place, part of this with me. So it's an experience, a place that we've had that's been special to us, but has lingering effect that has lingering effect and impact in our lives. Like when I think of a, a place that's hallowed, I'd love to know where your hallowed place is. A couple of people came up to me after first service and showed, t- shared with me some of their hallowed grounds. When I think of, of, of probably a place that's hallowed to me, there's a few, but one might be the church that I came to faith in. I was an adult, and it's, it's, a, it's changed a lot since then. When I came to faith there, they were meeting about 500 people, 
know, the building was fairly intimate. Now they've grown. It's huge. They have multi-campuses and stuff. But when I go and visit, there's parts of the building they now call the old section, right? And I go there. I'm like, oh, this is, this is like hallowed ground to me, you know? I can still feel what it was like to be back there in the day when I gave my heart to Jesus for that first time, that first season. But it's a place that still has lingering impact on me. Like there's a part of me that's still there or has come out from there. And those are, that ground to me, that space to me is hallowed because I carry on kind of in the legacy of that experience. I carry on with it. It's hallowed to me. Now, if we think about this and put some biblical light in it, the idea of maybe being hallowed, we might refer to or think back to the call of Moses, the call of Moses. That's a time when there was some hallowed of ground. And if you have your Bibles with you, or if there's one in front of you you want to open, I want to look at uh, Exodus chapter 3 really quick and just remember this moment. It's a familiar moment, but there's this ground, this space of ground that Moses has this encounter with God. And it changed him forever. And it really was this place of hallowed ground. So this is in Exodus chapter 3. And uh, I'm going to look at this piece of scripture and I'll put it up on the screen for you, starting in verse 4, where it says, The Lord called to Moses out of the bush, calling his name Moses, Moses. And then Moses says, Here I am. So then God speaks to him and says, Don't come any closer. In fact, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. It's hallowed ground. Then God speaks further, and for the first time in human history reveals himself, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. He hid his face. Because he was afraid to look upon God. So there's this space, this hallowed ground where Moses has this moment where he's face to face with God. And it terrified him. The holiness of the Lord was so much to behold that he was just terrified and humbled. And he couldn't even look upon him. So he hid his face to hide from God. But we, we know that the story goes on. In fact, God has a job for Moses in particular. That's why he called him to this hallowed ground. He's like, I, I got a job for you. I got some people that need help, people that I'm committed to, and I'm going to send you to be my representative, to go there and set them free. I'm going to send you, and I want you to help set them free. To which Moses replies, and this is verse 13, the story continues. Moses says to God, well, look, though, if I go before the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and what if they ask me, what is his name? What am I supposed to say to them? God says to Moses, and he reveals his name to him. And we translate it in some way, I am who I am. The name of God, he speaks into Moses' ear. I am who I am. The Lord, Adonai. Then God goes on to speak. And this is what you're supposed to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. 
God also then said to Moses, this is what you're going to say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. In other words, the God of your fathers is now your God and you're going to bring my name to my people. God says, this is my name forever. In fact, this is my title for all generations. This is my title for all generations. So Moses has this profound moment on this sacred ground, this hallowed ground, this encounter with God where he hears his name and then he's being tasked with taking that name, carrying that name on into the world to help set God's people free by declaring the name of the Lord given to him. Now, it's such a great moment because we get to hear for the first time the name of God and recognize there's power, there's authority, there's liberation, there's freedom in the name of the Lord our God. And this is my name, the Lord says, forever. This is my title for all generations. And the story continues. Now, maybe when we think of these words, our Father who is in heaven, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What we're doing is what we're saying. We're, we're praying, Lord, we're on hallowed ground here. We're on a hallowed ground as we have this encounter with the Lord. And as Lars helped us kind of put definition to those words, what we're saying is our Father who loves us, who loves us, who has brought heaven near, hallowed. This is holy ground, and we have this encounter with you. Now, unlike Moses, we don't have to hide our face in shame and fear anymore. Jesus has taken care of that by his grace and his mercy. We get to have a divine encounter with God face-to-face in his name. Hallowed be your name. Now, most of us, including me, maybe you grew up in some form of the church where you always felt like, yeah, I get the holy part. I get the other than part. I don't know if I get the relationship part. Like, I think if, if most of us kind of wrote our own Lord's Prayer, we'd probably say, holy is God, you know, he's over there. And then maybe we kind of grasp the love of him as Father. But I love that Jesus, in revealing this prayer to us, says, you know what? First, before we get to the holy part, I want you to remember that he's our Father. He's our loving Father. He's our together Father. We're a family And he's in the nearness of the heavenly realms here for you. And holy is his name. Holy is his name. Hallowed be thy name. Most of us, like I said, we get the authority part, maybe the relationship part. What I love about the Lord's Prayer is it's not just individual segments. I mean, that's one thing I'm a little nervous about this series is we start to think of individual segments. But it actually is a unity. It's like a chain. So before we get to the idea of hallowed and holy and what is that like, we first have to embrace the gift that we get to not hide our face from a holy God, but we can feel the embrace of him as our loving father. See, the gift of Jesus, the good news, is that Jesus wants us to embrace By his grace, a loving relationship with God, the God of all creation, 
the Lord Most High, who is worthy and holy and worthy of all honor and praise and glory, but he, we get to know him as our Father, our Father, who is here in the heavenly spaces, and yet still, hallowed be, holy is his name. We get to have a relationship, a loving relationship with God who is most high. What an incredible gift that is. Now let me put a little more texture on this. See, not only would you get to enjoy a relationship with God, but he also shares with us that glory. You know, one of my uh, kind of uh, uh, cliche moments about sporting events these days is the athlete will win the big game, get named the MVP, receive the giant trophy and all the accolades, and they do something nice these days. They let their kids come up. You've probably seen that a few times. It's probably the one part of the Super Bowl my wife loves the most besides the commercials. All of a sudden, she looks at that kind of image of him holding his kids as the ticker tape's raining down. She's like, he's a nice guy. I'm like, well... Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. No, it's awfully sweet. It's awfully sweet. It, because he's sharing the winner's circle with his children. And you got to wonder, as the ticker tape's raining down and the applause is going crazy and the pictures are being snapped and here comes the big trophy, if his kids don't feel like they're winners too, because he's sharing the victory with them, You see, that's what God our Father is doing in this prayer and creating this hallowed space. He's sharing the victory with us as his children. Hallowed be his name, but he's inviting us to share that glory with him as his children. We get to share the winner's circle. We get to be on the podium with him because great is his name. Yes, yes, my friends, this is Our Father, who is in heaven, and holy, hallowed be his name. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to notice one other thing about these four simple words. It's it's hallowed be your name, not hallowed is your name. It's not a statement that he just is holy. It's really a call to actually say, Lord, hallowed be. We give permission. We give desire. We want your name to be holy. It's not just a statement of fact. Oh, his name is holy. It's hallowed be. In other words, we're, we're praying that God's name would be kept reverent, kept holy, kept sacred. And then how do we live that out? I, I, you know, I love what uh, the Eugene Peterson, if you've ever read the Message Bible, he translates it this way. Same text, hallowed be their name, but he says, reveal, reveal who you are. Reveal who you are. That's really the appeal of the prayer. Lord, will you reveal who you are in the world, in my heart? When we pray, hallowed be, that's a call to action. Lord, will you reveal who you are in the world and in my heart? So then I started to ask myself, well, how do I participate in that? How do I respond to that prayer? Because I'm obviously praying it, hallowed be your name. How do I help? How do I work with? How do I assist? How do I help make his name hallowed? How do I keep it that way? 
And I would say, number one, is we assume a posture of worship and praise as we pray. We were just having a time of worship here, and I could really feel the Holy Spirit stirring. We're, we're singing out of voice. We're singing out of passion. Maybe, you know, maybe some are, are raising hands or lowering heads or closing eyes because it's a time of worship and praise. But when we pray, we also want to assume that same posture of worship and praise as we pray. And not just saying these words without thinking of it. In fact, Jesus warned about that. Hey, when you pray, don't just heap up empty, meaningless phrases. Anyone can do that. In other words, pray out of your heart. Pray out of your heart. And if the Lord's Prayer is maybe a practice of you, maybe you use this in your, in your regular devotional life, then you want to pray, let's make this holy ground as we pray these words, our Father who art in heaven, whether it's here on a Sunday or in your regular place of work or in your car, you're declaring that space to be hallowed ground because you're face to face with your Father. And we assume a posture of worship and praise. This, this was challenging for me, and I remember even as a new believer, I was like, whoa, that's, that's fascinating. But I, I experienced it once. This was actually pretty long ago, but I never, ever will forget this moment. It was shortly after I had come to faith and I was invited to a trip to Costa Rica to do some work down there to help some, some ministries that were doing some work with refugees. People from Nicaragua had come up to Costa Rica and had settled a community on a garbage dump. Like they lived on the garbage dump just outside the big city. So many of them just lived in nailed up little shanty houses and just claimed whatever little space they can and it was packed with people fleeing this regime, and so they were living on this garbage dump, and I was part of a team that came down with some tools and maybe some muscle, and we were going to help build a structure because one of the big problems there was that women especially were vulnerable in getting abused. So we were down there to help build a facility to help care for the women so they had a safe place to go and get cared for, okay? So we needed some land, and there was a man who lived in the, the shanty town on the garbage dump that communicated, hey, I have a willing, I'm going to give you my land. I'm going to give you my plot of land. So we show up there with all our tools and all our stuff on the first day to work. And this man comes out of this little nailed up shack made of like corrugated metal and cardboard. And he was a mess. He was really old. He had one leg. He was blind. And he was coming out with the few bags that he had and his granddaughter had his arm and she was walking out with him. And he said, before you guys get to work on, my, on this land that I'm donating to you, it was just his land that he squatted on. He's like, can I pray? Can I pray for you and your team? And he started to pray. And he prayed our father. And he started to talk about how we were like a family. We didn't even know him but we were brothers and sisters in the Lord, and he started calling on God's name in a way that I just, it was beautiful. It was in another language, but it was just, I could hear it clear as a bell, and he just kept lifting up the name and asking to bless us as a family and bless the families that we had left behind, not realizing we had left such comfortable surroundings to come and be there in his land. And, and he just kept praying for us because it sounded like he loved us and he knew us and we were together. And then he just started praying that this land would be, be hallowed. There was a hallowed space for God's work to be done. And he was so thankful to be able to donate his little plot on a garbage dump 
for God's work to be done. But then he started just praising God's name and he's lifting up his hands and he's just calling out, God, you're so holy, you're so amazing, you're so wonderful and we glorify you and you're so awesome, you're so loving, you're so wonderful. And I was in the, as I'm experiencing this, I'm just moved. Because here's a guy who has nothing. But he was filled with something that I'd never seen before. And in the soberness of my mind, at that little sober part, that was like, dude, seriously, you've got nothing. You've got one leg, you're blind, you're poor, and you're giving us what little you have. And he finished his prayer in the name of Jesus. And then he took his bags with his granddaughter and he left. I may never go back to that dump again. That was hollowed ground. And its impact lingers on me to this day. So when we pray, we assume a posture of worship and praise. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray to God, one of the ways that we can hallowed His name, hallowed be His name, make His name holy, is to humble ourselves, to humble ourselves. See, we can't see more of God when we think so much about ourselves. When we're so puffed up with ourselves, it's really hard to praise God and to say, hallowed be, may your name be sacred and holy. Now, maybe this is a part of the prayer where, where you want to think about your posture in your prayer. I know I'm fairly expressive, but there's a reason that in prayer we, we might close our eyes or lower our heads or raise our hands or hold our hands out or something or, or, or go to our knees or go to the floor or some way just to physically posture ourselves. It, it's, it's not just, you know, making it up. What we're doing is we're trying to receive more of God. If you've ever been somewhere that's large and, and vast and you're trying to take it all in, sometimes we take a step back because we're like, oh, I just want to take it all in. I just want to take it all in. That's what we're doing when we pray to God. We're saying, Lord, hallowed be your name. Reduce me. I'm so sorry, God, that I'm so puffed up with myself that on a regular daily basis, I'm the boss, I'm the king, and I'm probably the God too. Lord, I'm sorry. I humble myself before you because less of me, more of you. We humble ourselves. Hallowed be his name. Jesus did that, humbled himself. Denying himself all the privileges of being the son of God. Instead, he took the form of a servant praying and caring and ministering to people and was obedient all the way to death, even death on a cross. He gave up his life as a servant and the death of a, that, that a sinner deserved, a sinner like us. And he said, do the same. When we say, hallowed be your name, we humble ourselves. Lord, there's none like you. There's none like you. Third way we participate in the prayer, hallowed be your name, is we're willing to bear his name. We walk in the lingering effect of our encounter with God. We walk away in his name. We walk away with reverence, with humility, and with confidence, just as Moses did when he's like, wait, who's, who sent me? Tell them I am sent you. We go out as well. We say, Lord, hallowed be your name. We're saying, Lord, I'll take the sticker. I'll take it. I'll take it. 
And may your name be hallowed. May your name be reverent as I go out into the world. I love this passage here. This is Micah 4, 5. Maybe it's one worthy of memorizing. For it says, all the nations may walk in the name of their God. And it kind of says that with like a, eh. But we walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Isn't that a beautiful passage? In other words, everyone walks around with a sticker on them representing something. But we, the people of God, redeemed in Christ, we walk in the name of the Lord our God with that fixed upon us forever and ever. We walk out in the lingering effect of our encounter with God. We carry his name into the world because it so desperately needs to hear the good news. So we hallowed be his name when we walk in his holiness. We hallowed be his name when we agree to be salt and light into the world. We hallowed be his name when we share the good news of his eternal victory over sin, over death, with those people around us that need to hear it. We hallowed be his name when we walk out with a joy of his victory because we're praying from the winner's circle. We're praying from the podium. We're praying as the confetti's going off. We're praying in his victory and the certainty of his return. That's how we pray. That's how we carry his name. Hallowed be your name. It's a call for us to lift up the Lord's name on high. And we do that by humbling ourselves and by declaring ourselves willing to carry out his name to live for his glory. You got that? Let's pray. Father, will you teach us to pray? Will you teach us to pray? We are going to reflect on the Lord's Prayer, which is our privilege to do every week. We're going to take time during these first few phrases to lift up some needs some praises, concerns. So I'm going to put the first two lines of the Lord's Prayer on the screen for us. And let's just pray them together. Two times, how about that? Just say together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father, we praise you, we thank you for your great love that when we were far off, you brought us near, welcoming us into the family of God. We thank you, Lord, for the baptism this morning, another testimony, a symbol, an outward sign of that call that you have onto our lives to be the family of God together, one under you, to your glory. And you're our Father in the nearness of heaven. And Father, here we call on you. Maybe there's some needs in this community right now. Maybe there's needs in your heart where we need the kingdom of heaven to be revealed near. Father, we thank you for Will Leonard, who's still recovering from really pretty bad injuries of a car accident, but he's, he's home just this morning. We thank you, Lord, that your heaven is near. We thank you, Lord, for Catherine Frankel's successful surgery. May your kingdom be near. Father, we thank you for the ministry of PADS, our assistance with homeless people in our community. There are homeless people in our community and members of the church yesterday packed meals and delivered them to them. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, our Father. And Father, we ask you to draw near 
Father, who art in heaven to bring healing to our nation. Father, healing from the, the violence that just is all over our news and in our lives on a daily basis. Father, bring healing for the air of racism that continues to, to just wash over our nation. Father, I pray for a healing over the divisions among citizens, among families, among friends. Father, bring healing. You're our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Father, maybe there's been wrestles this week with pride. We confess those to you right now. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for my pride. Hallowed be your name. And Lord, I, I commit to taking you on. I, put the sticker on me. Let me leave here with a new name to declare. Lord, we commit ourselves to carry your name out into the world, into our homes, into our workspaces, into our schools. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. And now we continue the prayer, saying, Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.